0: Hello, I'm Stephen Groom. Welcome to Let God Speak. Our last lesson for this quarter is called All Things New. When Jesus comes back to earth again one day, he will renew the earth back to its perfect Edenic beauty, just like it was before the fall. But does God promise in the Bible to make all things new before that time? Let us find out as we look at how God will make all things new in both Old and New Testament texts of Scripture. Please join us for this important study. On our panel today, we have Lena Yoon and Kylie Fisher. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Before we start our discussion, let us begin with prayer, shall we? Let's bow together. Dear Lord, please help us to understand how God will make all things new as revealed in the Bible text we will be looking at today. Make it plain to our listeners. In Jesus' name, amen. So let us begin our study, those of you in the audience In 2 Peter chapter 3, if you would like to open your Bibles there. And before we start on our text in verses 10 to 13, I'd just like to give you some background information to this chapter. And Peter was um, facing the arguments where he says that in the end time, there'll be scoffers who will come uh, in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his being Jesus coming? They will deny the fact that Jesus is coming back or will interrupt history with his judgments. And they will say, well, all things have continued as they were from the beginning of creation. That is, nothing's changed. Now, I just want you to note um, Peter's answer to these scoffers. And if we go back down to verse 10, he mentions the day of the Lord, will come as a thief in the night. This is when God will interrupt history. And he says, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. So we won't miss this event, will we? It's quite climactic. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of person you ought to be in holy conduct and godliness. Verse 12 looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which dwells righteousness. So we see there in the end of that verse, Peter admonishes his audience, that is us, to look for a new heavens and a new earth in which um, righteousness dwells. Can you expand on what that means, Kylie?
1: So, yeah, so here we can see a real contrast between uh, the, I guess, fate of our world in which we're currently living in Malachi 4 verse 3. It says that the wicked will be ashes under the soles of your feet. And so this world in this passage is going to be burned up and um, that's going to make way for God's recreation of the heavens and the earth. And uh, yeah, so, so that's the, the new earth where in dwells righteousness. And really for us to be able to live there and to be ready to live there, uh, we, we need to be living righteous lives now. So it's really important that Peter is not just here saying, since this world is going to be burned up, you can just sit back, relax. It doesn't matter about your life here on earth. Do what you want. But he's saying we need to, To be prepared for that, we need to live righteous lives now. Our character needs to be formed now before Christ comes.
0: So this information directs us to uh, directs our behavior in a certain way, doesn't it? In all holy Mm -hmm. living and conversation. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that. So uh, we see there the, the contrast between the wicked who will be destroyed in the lake of fire and the righteous who will go to live in God's new heaven and new earth. And we see also this contrast in um, Isaiah chapter 66 as we go to the last um, chapter of the Old Testament book of Isaiah, a very large book in the Old Testament. In verses 22 and 24, uh, Isaiah says, For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain for me, says the Lord. And here we see that of those texts we'll be looking at today, the new heavens and the new earth. Um, So shall your descendants and your name remain. Let's go to verse 24. And they, that is the righteous, shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me. For their worms shall not die and their fire is not quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. So here we see the contrast again. What can we learn from this passage Lena.
2: Yeah, the remarks of Isaiah 66 from 22 to 24 deal with the eschatological time when the saints or the righteous will be in the New Jerusalem, living under the new conditions uh, described as the new um, heavens and the earth. So, in terms of the final outcome, uh, there is a striking contrast between the saints or the righteous who will be in the New Jerusalem. And those outside, um, also so-called the wicked, who will be under the God's judgment of, um, you know, total destruction and condemnation. So uh, this cosmic uh, view is the last picture of Isaiah, where um, the new life um, is not going to be molested by sin anymore. In other words, there will be peace and harmony and not being uh, dis- uh, disturbed by sin. And so what is clear here is that uh, there will be um, a glory, you know, coming glory for the, uh, the just and the saints, whereas there will be a uh, total destruction for the wicked. So um, it is uh, obviously an encouragement to us and also gives us hope um, to follow Jesus and uh, to live in the righteous way and to receive the reward as stated in these verses.
0: Thank you, Lena. That's very clear, isn't it, in those texts. Now, let us go back as we continue our study in how God will make all things new to one chapter back from Isaiah 66 to Isaiah chapter 65 and verses 17 to 25. Um, Can I ask you to read it for us, please, Kylie?
1: Sure. So starting at verse 17, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people a joy. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. No more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die 100 years old, but the sinner being 100 years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people. And my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth children for trouble. For they shall be the descendants of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they're still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together the lion shall eat straw like the ox and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord.
0: Thank you for that, Kylie. That was such an important <laughs> text that we had to read it. So what are the main points, Kylie, that we can get from this passage of Scripture? If you wouldn't mind elucidating that for us.
1: Yeah, so look, there's a number of points that we can draw from this. Um, So probably some of the main points are that first of all, the new earth is God's unique creation. Secondly, the sinful past will no longer burden God's servants. Thirdly, Jerusalem will be a place of joy and happiness uh, where there'll be no weeping or crying. There'll be no infant mortality or miscarriages and the longevity of the faithful is guaranteed, but sinners will die prematurely. We can also see that there is activity here because houses will be planted, uh, houses will be built, sorry, and vineyards will be planted. So there'll be peace and prosperity. People will enjoy life under God's presence and blessings, and the inhabitants will experience the reversal of the covenant curses into blessings.
0: Thanks for that, Kylie. We will keep Isaiah, this chapter in Isaiah in mind as we now go jump to the New Testament book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 5. Can you read that for us, please, Lena? Yeah,
2: sure. Um, 21 verse 1, um, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And God will wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful.
0: So thanks for that, Lena. So we see here uh, in Revelation, um, John adds a few extra things that weren't in um, the book of Isaiah. What are those new things that that he adds there, Kylie? Alina, sorry. Yeah.
2: Um, John tells us there are th- three new things that um, were not included, only included in uh, Revelation twenty-one one to five, but not in Isaiah sixty-five seventeen to twenty-five. So, uh, firstly. Um, the new Jerusalem will descend from heaven onto this new earth. And secondly, uh, the tabernacle or the throne of God um, will be in the city with his people. And lastly, um, God himself, physical, um, visible and constant presence will be with his people. And also God's God's people will be with God. So they are three main um, things.
0: Thank you for that. But what's more important than the, the, the additions is the contrast. There's some disturbing uh, difference or contrast between these two passages. Can you tell them, tell us what they are, Kylie?
1: Yeah. So there's three main differences that I'd like to mention. So in Isaiah 65 and verse 20, it says that death is still present. Whereas in Revelation 21, verse 4, it says that there won't be any more death.
0: And that's a worrying point, isn't it? I mean, when I go to heaven, I don't want to die again, do I?
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. Uh, and then so then the next point is Isaiah 65 and verse 23. Children are still being born. However, in Luke 20 and verse 35, Jesus said that those who are counted worthy to obtain that world don't marry, nor are they given in marriage so from that. We would understand that people will not be having children in heaven. And then last of all, according to Isaiah 65 verses 23 and 24, the worshippers on the way to Jerusalem view the carcasses of those who have transgressed against God, whereas according to Revelation 20 to 22, and as we mentioned before, as well in Malachi, um, the fires of the last day will completely consume the wicked. And so they won't be, yeah.
0: Yes. Uh, So we see the differences there of um, death still being present, Children still being born and the wicked still being there somehow. Yeah. So how do we reconcile these differences, Lena? Uh, are they speaking of the same event?
2: No, they're not the same. No, they're not speaking the same events.
0: Okay. What are they speaking about? What is the new heavens and the new earth that Isaiah is speaking about, different from the new heavens and the new earth, that John is speaking about in Revelation then, Kylie?
1: So Isaiah's prophecy is not primarily an apocalyptic book of prophecy. It's not primarily dealing with the end of time. It was his prophecies were primarily directed at the the Jewish nation, and so he was referring back to God's promises to Israel, and he was talking about what would have happened if Israel had Uh, fulfilled the conditions of the covenant that God had established with them.
0: Okay, so did Israel listen to the... So God sent prophets to Israel for them to repent. Did Israel listen to those prophets and repent as they should have, Lena?
2: No, they didn't. So therefore the prophecy in Isaiah 65, um, 17, 17 to 25 is not fulfilled. That did not happen on this earth, therefore, um, because uh, they did not live up to the requirements.
0: Yes, it may have still been a vague illusion to the new heavens and new earth, but it was only a vague one at that, I suppose. Mm, we. It was say.
1: like a prefigure, but it's not. I mean, there's always a difference between a symbol and the actual reality, because otherwise the, the symbol wouldn't be a symbol, it'd be the reality.
0: And we have clear differences here than, than the reality in Revelation. So what biblical principles can we gain from the unfulfilled promise in Isaiah? Um, 65, verses seventeen twenty-five 25, and other places in the Bible of unfulfilled promises. I mean, people use this to say that the Bible can't be true because of these unfulfilled promises. But what principles can we um, say about this?
2: Okay, um, we can see those principles um, f- uh, from Deuteronomy chapter 28, which follows our conditional element by using the subordinating conjunction, if... So let's go and have a read um, Deuteronomy 28, verse one. And it shall shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. So um, the principle that we can see here is purely based on um, God's people being obedient and receptive to God's commandments so God will bless them if they follow and obey his commandments if not we can see from verse 15 and then the curses will be poured upon them so um, and also another point that we can uh, find is that um, that uh, deuteronomy is actually telling us that um, the land that people live in is a, um, you know, a reflection of spirituality and also relationship with God, mm. So, which is also important. And the conditions that were laid upon the nation Israelite, um, if they wanted to continue being God's special people um, to the, uh, the end of time, Um, In Daniel 9.24, we're going to go and read uh, Daniel 9.24 as well. So here it says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. So this 70 week prophecy ended when Stephen was stoned by the Jews. Um, So this prophecy in Isaiah 65, 17 to 25 was not fulfilled as the um, uh, recreating um, of the earth as, um, you know, God intended to do so. Um, Because of that reason, God had to find other people to fulfill his plan.
0: Thank you for that, Lena. That was clear. So in this case, as the Jews were rejected, who in the end fulfilled God's plan or who is fulfilling God's plan um, and replaced Judah as God's people?
1: So there... So there are many texts in the Bible that show us that the Christian church has now been ordained to fulfill God's plan. And so the prophecies of Isaiah have to be reread from the perspective of the church as having replaced Israel, Judah, and they have been given the job to preach the gospel to the world. And so that's in Matthew twenty eight nineteen and 20.
0: Thank you. There are Christians today, however, who still believe that God still upholds Um, Israel or Judah uh, to be God's special people together with the Christian church. They believe that Israel will fulfill um, God's plan still and have a place in the prophecies at the end of time. Are these churches correct in doing this, um, Lena?
2: No, this is not correct. Um, If the uh, the nation of Israel were still got special specially chosen people, then there would be two ways of salvation. Firstly, salvation through Christ. And the other thing would be the salvation without the merits of Christ. To this day, the Jewish nation still refuses to believe in Christ and to accept Him as their Messiah. So um, we're going to look at, uh, read Acts 4, 12, here he says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So therefore, um, the Jewish nation cannot be God's chosen or special people if they do not believe in Christ. However, uh, there's still um, you know, hope for everyone who believes in uh, Christ it doesn't matter they are Jews or non-Jews as long as they believe in him and give their hearts to him and become Christians.
0: So that's important. Uh, we're not saying anything about individual Jews. They can be saved, but they need to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior as of anyone else. Yeah. Um, in fact, Scripture tells us in many places of the conditional element of the Jewish theocracy of the Old Testament, um, and how their rejection was a real possibility uh, if they didn't comply with God's requirements. Doesn't it, Kylie?
1: Yes. So Paul said that wrath is come upon them, which is the literal nation of Israel, to the uttermost in First Thessalonians 2 verse 16 and uh, also in Jeremiah 19 verse 11, it says that as a nation they had been so broken that they cannot be made whole again. And Jesus himself, he explicitly warned them that the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. That's really clear, Matthew 21 and verse 43. So the warnings were given in scripture that if they continued in their stubborn rejection of God and um, they, you know, rejected Christ, then they would no longer be God's people that they would no longer be God's chosen instrumentality to bring the gospel to the world because also it was always God's plan to save everyone. It wasn't that he specially favored the Jews, but it's it's who does he choose for his main instrument of salvation?
0: Yes. So for further clarification, who is this spiritual nation that has replaced the nation of Israel to be God's chosen people to bring the gospel to the world? Okay,
2: so to be able to find the answer, let's go to the first Peter 2, 9, verses 9 and 10. So verse 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, ye referring to the church, and a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So here um, uh, the church is now the nation of Israel, which is maintained throughout the New Testament.
0: Ah, thank you. But however, people will say um, that the the words, the vocabulary Jewish or Israel is used throughout the New Testament. And I'll give you an example. In Galatians 6, verse 16, it says, Paul says, As many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. So we see this mentioned often and they say, well, here we have it, Israel still being mentioned. Um, how should we understand this in the light of the conditional element of God's promises? Kylie.
1: Yeah. So let's so as a general rule, um, mainly when we're looking at the New Testament, we should interpret the terms Israel or Jews figuratively to mean the church. So let's look at some Bible verses that show us this. So Romans chapter two and verses 28 and 29, it says, therefore, he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh." And then verse 29, "...but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God." Also in Galatians chapter three, Paul says that if ye are Christ, ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And even that the Christian church is Romans 11, uh, is grafted in to the Jewish church. So let's just also look. Ellicott's commentary says that the Christian church absorbs the Jewish, inherits her privileges and adopts with wider and noble, nobler meaning her phraseology. The Israel of God, the Church of Christ takes the place of the national Israel. So when James addresses his letter to the 12 tribes scattered abroad, we should understand not the Jews, but Christians of the dispersion. Yeah.
0: So then all we see is the promises of of pertaining to the Old Testament. Israel has now been inherited by the New Testament spiritual nation of the church. Is that correct?
1: And would finally you know, realize their final and most complete fulfillment in God's recreated new heavens and new
0: earth. Yes. Yeah. I think that's very clear in the text you read in Peter and especially in Galatians chapter three, verses twenty eight, twenty nine, where Paul says um, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female for you're all one in Christ Jesus. So He he's done away with and he's bringing in the spiritual element of this vocabulary of the nationhood of the believers in Christ. I believe that's clear. Well, that's all we have time for, ladies. Thank you for joining us, Lena and Kylie. Thank you for being with us. That's all we have time for. In the Bible text we have looked at today, we have seen the difference between the new heavens and the new earth that God will create and the end of those who continue to transgress against God. I don't know about you, but as for me and my house and as for Kylie and Lena today, we would like to serve the Lord and commune with him in heaven forever when Jesus returns again one day. Would you like to join us? We are glad you joined us Today on Let God Speak, if you want to watch this or any of their past programs, they can be found on our website 3abnaustralia.org.au If you wish to respond, send an email to us on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au Do join us again. God bless you. Thank you.